0: You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you along. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. On today's show, the breaking news out of South Carolina, as the Gamecocks have fired head coach Will Muschamp. We'll discuss the fallout from that and who they could be looking at as his replacement. A uh, full recap of Week 8 in the SEC. Only had three games, but man, there were a lot of fireworks, tons of points scored, so we'll run through each of those. We'll also give you a quick who impressed and depressed in Week 8 of the SEC. We'll discuss... Perhaps a change in the Heisman race as well. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're here for you five days a week. You'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, we start with the breaking news last night out of Columbia, South Carolina. As it was announced, Will Muschamp no longer the head coach of the Gamecocks. He was already past the halfway mark of his fifth season in Columbia, Offensive coordinator Mike Bobo is expected to take over as interim head coach. Of course, Bobo is no stranger to being a head coach. He was just the head guy at Colorado State the past five seasons. So he will now run things as the interim guy. But I think the writing was on the wall after the South Carolina team gave up 59 points on Saturday and that loss to Ole Miss. Just to add things up for you, in their last three games, all losses they gave up fifty-two points to LSU, 48 to AM, and 59 to Ole Miss. That is 159 combined points their past three games. That's the most in a three game span in school history for South Carolina. And, you know, of course, Muschamp, a guy who prides himself on having good defenses, playing hard defensively, this team has not done that. And until this year, the Gamecocks had only surrendered forty eight or more points to an opponent three times in a season once they did that back in 1995 they here they did it three weeks in a row so Will Muschamp out at South Carolina the buyout reportedly in the 15 million dollar range obviously not cheap for anybody who wants to jump out there and say what are they doing this school is uh, you know they just had to lay some people off from the athletic department or in the middle of a pandemic where are they finding the money for this but you have money for a buyout and you don't have money to pay these other people the answer is yes the way that big money boosters work at schools is basically like this. I tweeted this out. You know, school calls and says, hey, we really need money for a new computer lab. Do you think you could make a donation? A lot of these big money boosters who only keep up with the school or only follow the school for football, they go, no. You know, the answer is, oh, is this for the football team? Is it going to help recruiting? Then no, I'm not interested. Uh, hey, we're going to have to furlough some people from our support staff. Do you think you could help us out financially? No. I'm only in it for the football. Then when they call and say, hey, we we got a $15 million buyout uh, to get rid of this underachieving head coach. Do you want to buy into that? Yes. Where do I sign? Where do I write my check? That's how these things work. You cannot like it. You can think it's absurd. This is the reality of college athletics. Boosters and people who love the football team only want to give money to the football team. It stinks. I mean, I've seen it at different schools across the country. You have some schools where they're, uh, you know, their business school is falling apart or you know, awnings are falling off the bu- buildings. Those come from the school. The, things like that and then paying staffers and employees at the school, those come from the school. The football team, a lot of that money comes from athletic supporters who are primarily donating their money for the football team. Again, you don't have to like it. That is the reality of the situation. So, talking in recent weeks with some people in Columbia, South Carolina, I was told the money is there. If they wanted to make a change, they will find the money to get rid of Will Muschamp. What about the support staff that they're having to lay off from the athletic department? It sucks. I'm sorry, but that money comes from the school. Two different pla- two different places uh, a lot of this money is coming from. So, I'm sure South Carolina will be having more... Uh, you know, events in the coming months to years of uh, fundraisers and things like that, writing those little extra uh, notes to, you know, the donors and people who donate money to the school. But, man, it's it's a stark reality of if you need to find the money, you can find the money, even in a pandemic, for a buyout. Crazy. But from an SEC standpoint, Will Muschamp was a guy who – he spent the majority of his career in the SEC, really. Spent his playing days at Georgia, was a grad assistant at Auburn after college, then went on to be the defensive coordinator under Nick Saban at LSU from 2002 to 2004, follows Saban to the Dolphins. That doesn't work out. Then comes back to the SEC in 06 as DC at Auburn and really spent the past decade in the SEC. I know there were those couple years he went over to Texas where he was named the coach-in-waiting under Mack Brown, but outside of that... He's been to the SEC almost his entire career, and like I said, for the past decade when you look at four years as the head coach of Florida, one year back as Auburn defensive coordinator, and then the past five seasons as head coach at South Carolina, and it was just two seasons ago he went 7-5 and five with South Carolina, took them to the Belk Bowl where they lost, but things were starting to look up, and then of course last season they go 4-8, and eight. Before going two and five this season, he's even had a, a big splash in recruiting at times, getting some big time recruits in there. But things did just not go not go well. And now for Gamecock fans, all the attention turns to who are they going to get? Who are they going to target? And some of the early names that are coming out there now: ULL Ragin Cajuns head coach Billy Napier is one to keep an eye on. Uh, Liberty head coach Will, uh, Hugh Freeze is, of course, the one that everybody is is putting their name on uh saying that that need, that that's the guy but uh, last night both cbs sports dennis dodd and barrett Salee, they were debating who the new gamecock coach would be and both seemed to be locked in on hugh freeze here's dennis dodd
0: hugh freeze to lose i i, I really mean it with jimmy sexton he's both those guys agent i think this thing will get done soon um it'll just be a case of the finances because obviously some boosters have stepped up big time to pay uh to pay Will Muschamp, and they'll have to pay big time to get uh, to get Hugh Freeze as well, who, by the way, just signed an extension last week through 2026, because that now that buyout will go up. It'll cost more because they waited so long.
1: Yeah, that's the interesting part of the timing of this. Is One, Hugh Freeze has a undefeated Liberty team that's really rocking and rolling. He just got a raise there, so the buyout's going to be a little bit higher to get him out of there. But here was Barrett Salee sharing his thoughts. He's also thinking the hire will be Freeze, but... There's also a caveat on the SEC side that uh, they would have to lift in order to welcome Hugh Freeze back to the conference.
0: The first, second, third, fourth, and fifth call is going to be to Hugh Freeze. And a few things on that. He, he is on sort of double-secret probation from the SEC. That's why he didn't get the Auburn offensive coordinator job a few years ago. That's why he didn't get the Alabama offensive job a few years ago. So Greg Sankey's going to have to lift that because he does have to approve any coach who has had NCAA issues before they get hired. So uh, he does have to get off the double-secret probation. Now, if you're Greg Sankey, you can't keep Hugh Freeze out of the conference forever. Because then there's going to be lawsuits. So you wonder if that's going to go away. I think it absolutely will. Uh, and then on top of that, I think there's going to be a criticism. Oh, Hugh Freeze was cheating his butt off, so he can't win at South Carolina. Let's be real about what happened. In, at Ole Miss, he had some good players. He beat Alabama with our, uh, without his best player the second time around, without Laramie Tunsil. And it's not like that roster or those rosters at Ole Miss were anywhere close to to what Alabama, LSU, and Auburn had. So Hugh Freeze is a wonderful coach. He should be the top pick for any program looking to make a change. In 2020, if they can get over the, the, the probation part, the double secret probation that he's on from Greg Sankey, then South Carolina will have hit a home run higher. I, I, I don't know about this week, like Dennis said, but because I do think part of him wants to finish off what he's done at Liberty this year. But I, I do think uh, barring uh, just a complete disaster, it's going to be Hugh Freeze in South Carolina.
1: And I think that's what a lot of people have been predicting that Hugh Freeze would make a return to the SEC just another guy who was very successful at Ole Miss beat Alabama not once but twice and you know obviously he's been good getting back into coaching after out for a couple years at Liberty going 8 and 5 last year he's undefeated as of uh, the recording of this 8-0 you know, this season so I think Hugh Freeze is a guy that a lot of people are going to look at but we'll probably have a couple weeks to discuss who will be the replacement but uh, shout out to Will Muschamp We'll see where Muschamp lands now. I mean, I think I have a buddy who's an LSU fan who said, I'd give anything to get Bo Pelini out of here as defensive coordinator and bring in Will Muschamp. I said, do you really want Will Muschamp with how his defenses have looked the last couple weeks? Obviously, he'd have a little bit more of an upgrade in talent at LSU with uh, you know typically the type of players they have on defense. But we'll see where Will lands. Uh, Obviously, a guy who's been in the SEC for a long time and been a part of the SEC for a long time and still only 49 years old, so I don't know if – Maybe he takes a year or two off before getting back into it, or he's just so into coaching that he's got to jump right back into a job next season. We shall see. But the official news of the last uh, 24 hours or so, Will Muschamp out at South Carolina, Mike Bobo in as the interim coach to finish out the year. Coming up next on the podcast, we're going to go around the conference. We will hit on the uh, game reviews from Saturday. Only three games to recap, but boy, there was a lot to recap. So let's do that next. If you're like me you had an awesome weekend of sports watching what with we had a handful of sec games handful of other really good college football games and the masters was a lot of fun to watch and i did all of it while enjoying an ice cold Coors light it is the only beer out there that is literally made to chill sitting down at your couch and watching football and drinking the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer, that is Coors Light. It is mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It is literally made to chill as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Look, you don't have to wait all the way till Saturday like I do. If you're sitting out on your back porch this week, weather's starting to get a little bit cooler, let's go enjoy yourself a Coors Light and take a moment to unwind and relax. Coors Light is the one I choose whenever I need to unwind. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. And a reminder, you can get Coors Light in their new look bottle delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Don't even need to leave your house to get it. And Remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coors Light, grab it today. We're all along here, Locked on SEC for you five days a week talking all things SEC football. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review if you can, wherever you uh, subscribe to us if they have that option on the podcast features. All right, let's let's uh, let's jump right into it. We got a review week eight of the SEC. A lot of offensive points scored. The winning team scored 38-59-63. This ain't your daddy's SEC anymore. My goodness. Offense is what wins. Just ask George as one of the best defenses in the country yet that's two losses. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference.
0: Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Throws. Throws. The ball. What a catch. Around the conference.
1: Shifts over to the right side of Wilson, who stands in the shotgun, takes the snap, makes the fake, looks left, fires over the middle, wide open, touchdown, Kentucky. It's keeping up Shaw. The tight ends have two touchdown catches. Your early game on Saturday was Vanderbilt at Kentucky. Look, I'm sure a lot of you may have chose to watch the Masters over this one. Totally understood, but if you missed it, there was a really great tribute to offensive line coach John Schlarman, who passed away last week after a two-year battle with cancer. The team wore J.S. stickers on their helmets, his initials, while offensive lineman Landon Young wore number 65, which was Schlarman's number when he played. On the first offensive play of the game for Kentucky, they left the left guard spot open in his honor, took a delay of game penalty which Vanderbilt declined, gracefully, all in Schlarman's honor. But the Kentucky offense, which has been pretty subpar this season, they did another good job in honoring their former uh, O-line coach and using that big offensive line to run the ball all over Vanderbilt. The Cats rushed for over 300 yards on the ground as Chris Rodriguez led the way with 149 yards and two touchdowns. Terry Wilson threw for two scores, ran for another one. It's Kentucky won 38-35. Look, the score was not as indicative of how the game played out. Kentucky jumped out to a 14-0 lead. They led 24-14 at the half. The score was 38-21 late in the fourth quarter before Vandy scored two touchdowns in the final three minutes, made the final score look a little bit closer. If you're a Kentucky fan, maybe you're a little upset with your team's defense who gave up a bunch of late yards and points to Vanderbilt. But, look, you're happy with the win, which brings Kentucky to 3-4 on the season. And what's probably most frustrating for Kentucky fans is – you. You, you should have won that overtime game against Ole Miss in Week 2. You missed the extra point. You'd be above five hundred right now, but with your next two games at Alabama and at Florida, the Cats just are not going to finish this season over five hundred. It's too tough. But congrats do go out to Mark Stoops, who picked up his 47th career win as head coach at Kentucky. That now puts him second all-time at UK behind the great Bear Bryant, who won 60 games as head coach of the Wildcats. So as long as Stoops stays at Kentucky a few more seasons, he will – Very well earned that distinction of winning as head coach all time in Kentucky football history. And then there's Vandy. Look, they're running back Keon Henry Brooks. Another big day on the ground, 121 rushing yards. That's back-to-back 100-yard rushing games for the sophomore who was playing in just his fourth game of the year. Unfortunately, though, for the Commodores, it was another loss as they dropped to 0-6 on the season. And with your next game versus Florida, I'm not sure how this defense gives up less than 50 points next week to the Gators. 0-10 is certainly on the horizon for Vanderbilt. He said, no backs. The snap to Trask. Trask looking, looking, throws the ball to the end zone. It's caught for Keon Zipper. Touchdown, Gators. Touchdown pass. That's six for Trask. Goodness gracious. (laughs) And what was expected to be an interesting game, several different aspects. One, you have no Sam Pittman as he was home quarantined with the coronavirus. Defensive coordinator Barry Odom serving as the interim head coach for Arkansas. And former Gator Felipe Franks returning to his old stomping grounds, taking on Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. After a quarter, games tied 7-7. And as I saw a few Hog fans saying on Twitter, that's absolutely a win. Didn't think we'd be tied after the first quarter. But then the second quarter happened. As Kyle Trask and the Gators, uh, Trask would throw for four touchdowns in the second quarter. That put him at five touchdown passes in the first half against the SEC's number two passing defense in Arkansas. And he did it without his go-to weapon, a tight end, Kyle Pitts, who was out this game. All anyone was saying after this one, with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones all not playing on Saturday, it was Kyle Trask, whose name has taken center stage in the Heisman race. The Gators kept adding to the score in the second half. Trask threw his sixth touchdown of the game before calling it a night. And Emery Jones led the Gators to a couple of scoring drives and route to a 63 to 35 victory. For Arkansas, it felt like it was either big plays or nothing. You had Mike Woods catch a 47-yard touchdown pass, an 82-yard touchdown pass. Traylon Smith breaks off an 83-yard touchdown run. But the Razorbacks were just 3-for-10 on third downs, and they lost the time of possession, 39-21. to Offense coordinator Kendall Browse has just got to find a way to keep drives alive for Arkansas. they got to eat up some more clock, be a little bit more balanced with their play calling because – You just can't have this boomer bust where, hey, we scored a touchdown, and then nothing for three straight drives while the opposing offense is scoring, scoring, scoring. Bottom line for Florida, even without Kyle Pitts right now, they have just a bevy of weapons for Kyle Trask. Trevon Grimes, Xavier Henderson, Keon Zipperer, Jacob Copeland, all of them found the end zone on Saturday. Kadarius Toney was the only one who didn't. He had seven catches himself. And by the way, it is sounding like Kyle Pitts will not suit up this weekend against Vanderbilt as he continues to deal with that concussion from the Georgia game. But Zipperer appears to be plenty good at the tight end spot as well, so they don't seem to be missing Pittlet- Pitts. Like, you want Pitts out there, but seems like it's not hurting them not having him right now. And look, on Saturday, you got to credit Todd Grantham in the defense. Yes, they gave up 35 points, but they racked up four sacks. They scored a touchdown on a fumble return. This may not rank as one of the best Florida defenses ever, but they may be good enough with this electric offense to help them win a title. Up next for Arkansas, they're scheduled to host struggling LSU while the Gators head to Vanderbilt. Left one to the right. Ely's alone back.
0: Fake to Ely. Back to throw. Corral pump fake. Throws deep over the middle.
1: Moore is all by himself.
0: Catch it, dude. He's got it. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 10. To the 5. Touchdown. Oh, miss. How do you lose
1: Elijah Moore? They did it again. Shiloh Sanders tried to run him down. He didn't have a prayer. And that was one of the plays that helped do Will Muschamp in. I knew this was going to have a lot of points scored because of Lane Kiffin's offense and the Ole Miss defense being so bad. I predicted Ole Miss 44-31, and it was even more ridiculous than that, as Ole Miss won 59-42 over South Carolina. If you got up to go to the bathroom while watching this one, you missed a touchdown. It was that ridiculous. For South Carolina, all the talk last week was about a potential quarterback change, and well, Muschamp stuck to his guns, decided to stick with Colin Hill, who wasn't bad. He threw for 230 yards, a touchdown with a pick. But Kevin Harris, man, was an absolute monster on the ground against this Ole Miss defense. He ran for 243 yards on 25 carries with five rushing touchdowns. Shai Smith, he caught 10 passes for 117 yards on a score, but it was Matt Corral and the Ole Miss offense that just stole the show yet again. Corral, 28 for 32 For 513 yards and four touchdowns, no turnovers. And Elijah Moore just continues to shatter SEC records. He had 13 catches for 225 yards and two touchdowns. Rebels also rushed for almost 200 yards. But that Rebel defense is just so bad. Even former Rebel linebacker Patrick Willis took to Twitter during the game and said, you have to stop running into blocks. Use your hands to get off those blocks. And most importantly, you have to want to get to the ball and tackle with an attitude. So even a former Ole Miss star can see the issues they're having defensively. Maybe Patrick Willis might want to come back to his alma mater and coach the defense. But I've said before, Lane Kiffin is going to be a problem in this league. His offenses are going to be absolutely awesome. And if he can ever fix that defense, Ole Miss was going to pull off some upsets in this league. Ole Miss put up the most total yards ever in an SEC game on Saturday. And it led to Wilmoth's champion being fired. The Rebels are now 3-4 and four with a trip to College Station coming up. And then very winnable games with the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State and a finale at LSU. So a good chance Kiffin could go 5-5 five and five in his first year in Oxford. And I think a lot of the Rebel fans would take that over Matt Luke. For South Carolina, they dropped to 2-5. Three very losable games ahead for them against Missouri uh, at Kentucky and against Georgia. I kept saying, man, if Will Muschamp loses six straight to end the year, he could be on his way out. South Carolina pulled the trigger already, and he is done. And those were your uh, three games in the conference this week. All right, when we return, I'll give you who impressed and depressed in week eight of the SEC. Hey, we tell you guys all the time, Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. It's that time of year you're starting to pack on the LBs. Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is coming up. It's colder outside, so maybe you're not getting in those steps as much as you'd like to. No jogging or, or running. Make some healthier decisions and check out our friends at Built Bar. We tell you all the time, 18 amazing flavors. They got the six new flavors, cookies and cream, my personal favorite. Built Bars are healthy, great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain your weight while indulging in a delicious treat. If you go with the cookies and cream like I do, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs – Great options to choose instead of grabbing the potato chips or French fries that you may be doing. Check them out right now. Head to BuiltBar.com. Find the flavors you want. You can even just do a variety pack. If you don't know which one you'd like, you can get a different flavor of uh, variety packs that they have there available. Go check them out. BuiltBar.com. And remember, when you go before you go hit the checkout button, use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you will get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Rolling along here, Locked On SEC Podcast. Of course, big news, the last 24 hours in the conference, Will Muschamp losing his job over in South Carolina. Could more be on the way. A lot of people looking at Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. And then maybe, just maybe, the outside shot. Some people in Knoxville not happy with Jeremy Pruitt. Wondering if a change could be made there. But just about everywhere else, like Coach O, I know LSU struggling, but he is the reigning national champion. He That buys you a couple years to uh, to rebound there. And Gus Malzahn seems to have kind of level things out in Auburn. And, of course, we know his buyout is uh, through the roof. So we'll continue to monitor it in the coming weeks. But... This may not be – this is the first SEC coach firing of this season. It may not be the last. We will continue to monitor it. All right, let's uh, do who impressed and depressed in week eight of the SEC. All right, we'll start with who impressed. Who else? Florida quarterback Kyle Trask. Look, we already ran through the numbers, but 23 for 29, 356 yards and six touchdowns, no turnovers. Trask is right there atop a lot of people's Heisman ballots now. And really one more chance to solidify and earn it. That'll be in the SEC title game against Alabama. But Trask has 28 passing touchdowns. That breaks to his record of 27 touchdowns in his first six games. Trask with his 28 touchdowns, leads the nation by five. North Carolina's Sam Howell and UCF's Dylan Gabriel each have 23. And Trask has played fewer games than both of them. If no remaining games are canceled, Trask could play up to six more games with the SEC title game, bowl game. He sits 11 touchdowns behind Danny Werfel's school record 39 touchdown passes. I think he's going to break that. And what did Danny Werfel do? Want a Heisman. See if Kyle Trask does as well. Who else impressed in Week 8? I mentioned him earlier, but Kevin Harris, an absolutely insane performance at running back for South Carolina. 25 carries for 243 yards and five rushing touchdowns. And look, this week with Najee Harris and Isaiah Spiller not playing, Kevin Harris is now the leading rusher in the SEC at 817 rushing yards, leads the nation in rushes of 40 or more yards. He has five of those. And he's tied for third in rushing touchdowns in the nation. You look back to his recruiting days. He was ranked the number 44 running back in the 2019 recruiting class. South Carolina has found an absolute stud at him. And to go with their senior receiver, Shai Smith, they are two bright spots for an otherwise dismal 2-5 South Carolina team. We'll see if interim head coach Mike Bobo can pull an upset or two down the rest of the season. Who else impressed? This past weekend, I'm just putting Matt Corral and Elijah Moore together. Yet another masterful performance at quarterback for Matt Corral. Only four incompletions on the night. 28 for 32, over 500 yards passing, four touchdowns, no INTs for the second straight game. That's big. But he became the first player in Ole Miss history with a 500-yard passing game. Incredible. At wide receiver, Elijah Moore, 13 catches, 225 yards, two touchdowns, He added 45 yards rushing on six carries. He's the first player in SEC history with 225 receiving yards in consecutive games. Remember, he had 238 last game against Vandy. Elijah Moore now leads the SEC in receiving yards with 1,054 in just seven games. Devontae Smith is second with 759 yards, so a little bit of a separation there. You know what? Let's just put Lane Kiffin in the grouping as well in the impressed category. Through Lane's first seven games, Ole Miss is now number one among Power 5 teams in total offense. The Rebels have scored 50 points in back-to-back SEC games for the first time ever. And now they've produced the school's first 700-yard game versus an SEC opponent. They still need to fix that defense, but the Lane Kiffin offense is electric in the SEC. It makes you wonder if Ed Ogeron had his way when he got rid of Matt Canada and was trying to find a new offensive coordinator. He could have brought Lane Kiffin over then. Who depressed this week? Well, I'm putting one guy who just lost his job, but the two quote-unquote defensive gurus in Will Muschamp and Derek Mason. You know, for two guys who were at one time considered two of the best defensive coordinators in the country, they have really fallen from grace. Mason was a Broyles finalist back in his years as D.C. at Stanford under Jim Harbaugh, and Muschamp has always prided himself on having good defenses who play hard. Both teams rank near the bottom of the conference in yards given up per game. Vandy gives up 443 a game. South Carolina allows 464 a game. Rutgers and Hawaii have better defenses than these two. And look, there's a good chance Derek Mason joins Will Muschamp and being let go this season. Very well could be the only two SEC coaches to be fired, but I would think there would be some interest in the two as future defensive coordinators because of their track record, but as defensive-minded coaches, man, their defenses are really abysmal this year. Who else depressed? I'm going with Arkansas running back Rakeem Boyd. Look, he was on a lot of people's preseason SEC lists, and I understand he has not been fully healthy, but a guy who was an 1,100-yard rusher last year in the conference, he has just 309 yards on 82 carries. That's a 3.8-yard-per-carry average, way down from where he averaged over the last two seasons at Arkansas, over six yards a carry. His longest run this season for just 16 yards. He does have three rushing touchdowns, but overall, a disappointing season for a guy a lot of folks had high expectations for in Rakeem Boyd. And lastly, who else depressed this week in the SEC? How about we just say SEC defenses as a whole? I mentioned earlier the winning teams in the SEC this week scored 38, 59, and 63 points. And none of those games went to overtime. This is absolute insanity for a conference that has prided itself on great defense. We used to always say, run the ball, stop the run, win the SEC. Now the mattress, throw for a ton of yards, score a ton of points, last one with the ball wins. Ole Miss, LSU, South Carolina, and Vandy give up some of the most yards per game in the country. Even Arkansas, Tennessee, and Florida give up over 400 yards per game. That's half the league allowing over 400 yards per week defensively. I think back to a decade ago when LSU beat Alabama 9-6 to in the game of the century. Remember that awful 3-2 to Auburn-Mississippi State game? Those feel like a distant memory as the SEC now prides itself on innovative play calling and poor tackling. And that is your Who Impressed and Depressed in Week 8 of the SEC. Man, that was uh, a lot to digest there, a lot to recap. We will have more throughout the week out of Columbia, South Carolina. We'll get more on the latest with Will Muschamp's departure and who could be on South Carolina's radar. If you believe what some of the experts are saying, they all have their eyes set on Hugh Freeze. And obviously, the great job he's been doing at Liberty. Did a great job at Ole Miss. We know why we was let go, but uh, had nothing to do with the football product on the field. was always really good with that. We'll dissect more of that as we get throughout the week. We'll have some experts chime in as well. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a full slate of SEC games this coming weekend. No more postponements. Honestly, we don't have any room to postpone any more games. So we're gonna, we are may start talking cancellations if any of that happens. But you hope all the kids stay safe. You hope the testing, everything goes well. And hopefully some of the coronavirus positives start to go down. Get kids, some of these kids back from the uh, quarantines and start to have some football games. Hopefully a full slate of SEC games this weekend. We'll talk about it all throughout the week here on the Locked on SEC podcast. I'm Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Remember to check out some of our buddies who have uh, other SEC podcasts on the Locked on Network. We got Locked on Bama, Locked on LSU, Locked on Razorbacks. Check them all out. Just type Locked on, whatever your favorite SEC school is, and you will find it there. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.